0: it's Izzy. Wherever you're listening from, whatever your situation and whatever brought you here, I'm so, so grateful that you've invested your time in listening to positive content. I truly hope you gain some valuable insights from the episode. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. If you've never seen me before, never heard me before, then my name is Izzy. I am a self-proclaimed mindset strategist, which basically means I am obsessed with creating simple yet truly powerful strategies for us to use every single day in order to create a proactive approach to our own mental well-being. Approaches that will build up our baseline happiness so that we wake up excited for the day, really happy and grateful for who we are and the life that we've lived and excited for the life that we're going to live. So today we are talking about something that actually doesn't get talked about all that much and that I don't think I have ever spoken about before. It's not hugely glamorous, it's probably not going to change your life But what it will make a big difference to is the strength and health of your relationships, your ability to communicate, your personal degree of self-confidence, and your ability to remain unaffected to what others say or do. Today, we are talking about blame. Why we do it, how we do it, and how we can stop doing it, or at least be less affected by it when other people do it to us. The thing with blame is that it's almost always an unconscious behaviour. And unconscious behaviours can be the ones that we don't realise we're doing and so never change. Partly the reason why it's a topic that's so rarely spoken about, because it can be difficult to stop doing. So why are we talking about it today? Well, I've spent a lot of time around people who are very quick to blame, and in all honesty, I used to be that kind of a person too. If it wasn't what I'd expected or what I'd wanted or what we'd agreed, I placed the blame on the other person. Likewise, I was really quick to defend. So if someone dished out a suggestion that had even the slightest hint of blame, I would be straight on the defense and that did not help me in the work environment where I could not take constructive criticism. Now, the thing with blame is that if we do it to other people, and we don't like it done to us, then I'm almost 99% sure that you'll also be doing it to yourself. Anyway, I was in the bathroom (laughs) brushing my teeth and getting ready for bed when my partner came in last night. Now, I'm not quite sure what he'd done or not done, probably because it was very, very insignificant, but I felt the same urge to blame or at least mention the thing that he'd done as I used to do quite frequently. But something stopped me, something that has actually stopped me from blaming other people and myself, in fact, for the last four years, and has helped me learn to communicate in a way that doesn't set off alarm signals and bring up defense mechanisms in other people. And it also stops me from defending myself so much. In short, what I'm going to share in this podcast is a goddamn gold. And by the end of it, you'll understand exactly why you can be so quick to blame others, which we all do. Let's just accept it. You're going to understand exactly how to stop blaming yourself and also how to be less affected when others blame you because they will continue to blame you because, well, they haven't listened to this podcast. So let's begin with why we blame others so quickly now this will be much more effective if you can think of an example in your own life where you've blamed someone or where maybe you frequently blame them your kids or it can be as simple as your child knocking over their glass and you blaming them even though it was an accident and wasn't their intent or you can use a bigger example like blaming your ex for ruining your relationship by cheating on you which yeah is fair The example I'll use is one that's actually quite prevalent for me at the minute, and I'm having to do exactly what I wanna teach you in this podcast today in order to not get carried away with blame. So I actually paid a company a quite significant amount of money to support me in carrying out my first international retreat. So if you've listened to the podcast before, you will know by now that I am running an international retreat in Greece this year in October, a self empowerment retreat so that people who come Why the time that they leave so people who come maybe are holding themselves back they're not as confident as they would like to be they have a real difficulty in letting go of the past and therefore a struggle to become the person that they want to be so really looking at authenticity what makes you someone that you like do you like yourself can you like yourself confidence can you be yourself in front of intimidating people and mindset What happens when all of that goes wrong? What happens when someone breaks up with you? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I paid somebody, a company, a lot of money to support me with sort of the legal side of this, the logistics and so forth. Um, They've run like over 26 retreats themselves. So they have a lot of experience and I wanted to learn from the best. So... That's why I started working with them. And in many ways they have been very helpful, but also in many ways, they have also not stuck to their side of the bargain. Um, The contract just is completely useless. So because of that, whenever these guys come into conversation, maybe my partner mentions them, I feel a really strong tension start to rise in my chest because my mind really wants to blame them, to blame them for not living up to their part of the bargain. But exactly why do I have this strong sense of tension, this strong sense of blame? Why do I feel the need to blame them? And why do you feel so stuck in this blame game yourself well for three main reasons that i'm going to talk you through um now all of this today is based a lot in the neuroscience but if you don't really like science don't worry we're not going into you know the names that the different parts of the brain because that's useless we're going to explain why and how your brain jumps to these conclusions and how then you can implement stuff to change that so firstly imagine you watch a friend walking with a coffee and they trip and spill the coffee all over the floor now if you think oh they must be really clumsy what you're actually doing is making an internal attribution now this means that you're blaming their personality so saying that they're clumsy blaming their personality or even their abilities for the accident you're identifying them as being clumsy based on this singular event On the other hand, if you were to consider that the floor was slippery or there was something in their way that caused them to spill this coffee, you would be making an external attribution. You'd instead be blaming the situation or the environment for the mishap rather than blaming the person. Now, the tricky part is that we often more so jump to internal attributions um, when it comes to other people's actions, so blaming them. Especially when the actions that they've done appear negative to us. So actually, if you think about it, if um, say somebody does really well with their job or with being self-employed, you might actually jump to external attribution because it makes you feel better about yourself. You say, "Oh, they were just they just got lucky." You kind of don't want to attribute it to their personality or their skills because then it kind of makes you feel lesser in some way so what we'll do in, if the situation is kind of good if we have insecurities in that area we might actually try to focus on the external environment because then we can make an excuse for why we're not where they're at or maybe we don't like them and we don't want to see them successful so that's why we blame it on that however with something that's negative so for instance spilling a coffee turning up late we very rarely jump to these external attributions we instead make a judgment of their personality um so they messed up because they're careless instead of actually considering the many many other circumstances and possibilities around them now this tendency to quickly blame someone's internal qualities without thinking about the external factors is what we call the attribution bias again you don't really need to know these names but it's just helpful for separating them out in and differentiating them so this attribution bias is like our brain's shortcut to make sense of things Um, because if we can't make sense of things we can't really keep ourselves alive we struggle to navigate social interactions which is super important for our survival our ability to thrive so this is our brain's shortcut to make sense of things but unfortunately it can lead us to blame others more easily than maybe we should or maybe even deep down we'd like to So next time you feel the heat rising in your chest or a veil of judgment clouding your eyes I want you to ask yourself what light you're viewing the situation in. Are you blaming your partner for being late home because you're focusing on the internal attribution of maybe that they're not care they don't care about you or you're maybe even jumping to bigger conclusions about their character regarding where they've been or you can shift that blame to the simple observation of a bunch of factors that could have got in the way of them being late home. For instance, traffic. When you can shift that blame mentality then when they do come home, your communication is going to be completely different. You won't have pent up frustration towards them, which is, to be honest, only going to make the evening much less enjoyable. Such as if you were to make a comment of, what time do you call this? I thought you wanted to come back early to see me, but I guess not. Or I thought you wanted to come home early to watch that film, but I guess not. Rather than instead focusing on external attributions, leading you to say something like, Oh, it's so great to see you. You are late though. Was it that pesky main road by the school again? So even if your partner was careless and left work too late, or even if your child did knock the glass off the table on purpose, getting annoyed at them and placing the blame in their hands is only going to make them close up, make them attack or make judgments about you. Whereas if you withhold blame, it's actually quite clever because when you withhold blame, and you approach them with kindness and compassion, they're more likely to actually admit wrongdoing because they feel like they're in a safe place to do so. That said, if your partner is always home late or your child is always causing havoc at home, then please do stay true to your personal values and actually have a sit down conversation about it because those are your values. And if they do it repeatedly, it's important to make that known. Number two, why we're so quick to blame others. Emotional processing. So just for a minute, think of your brain as a control center that manages your feelings. Inside this control center, there's a special part called the limbic system. Now, this limbic system is a bit like your brain's emotional headquarters. Picture the amygdala as a tiny but powerful team member in the limbic system as a quick response alarm system. So your amygdala, small but very powerful team member in the limbic system, and what it's responsibility is, is to be an alarm. Now imagine that you're walking in a forest and you suddenly hear a rustling sound. What's going to happen is your amygdala, the alarm is going to go off, instantly telling your brain, hey, this could be something dangerous. In response to this alarm, your brain then sends out an automatic reaction, like a fight or flight signal. Sometimes, This automatic response can trigger emotions like anger or fear. And when you do feel these intense emotions, your brain might try to protect you from them by finding something or someone to blame. It's like your brain's way of diverting these strong feelings away from you. So when you're feeling threatened or upset, your amygdala is kind of like that friend who hits the panic button and points fingers to keep you from getting overwhelmed by those emotions which is kind of ironic when you think about it, that our brain stimulates these emotions to try to protect us and then realizes that they're powerful and really unpleasant, so tries to find a way to redirect them. It's kind of its own flaw. So what are we gonna do? Well, next time you feel like blaming someone, check in with how you're really feeling and why you're really feeling that way. Me with this retreat company, for instance, on reflection, I can see that actually any blame I have towards them, whilst fair, is also a redirection of my own fear or insecurity around pulling off a bloody brilliant retreat. After all, there is a tonne of work that goes into running a retreat, and if the support I anticipated that I would have isn't there, then of course it's going to sound the alarm signals. And as the previous science explained, it feels better to spread that emotion onto others rather than onto ourselves. So really be honest with yourself. Is your blame for someone or something 100% on them? Or is it deriving from your own inner sense of fear? The reality, it's probably most of the time deriving from your own inner sense of fear. And finally, the last science-backed reason for why we're so so quick to blame others is self-preservation. So cast your mind back, if you can, to when our ancient ancestors lived in tribes. Obviously, you won't remember it. You weren't there, but hopefully you can imagine it. In those times, being part of a group was crucial for survival. Together, they could hunt, gather, and defend against dangers much better than if they were alone. Now imagine you're part of one of those tribes. Imagine someone in your tribe made a mistake that led to a failed hunt when no food was caught. The group's likelihood of getting food as a result of this is actually at risk and everyone's safety is on the line. But here's the thing, admitting to our own mistake can be tough these days, let alone in the days where to admit we'd done something wrong could lead to others questioning our skill or even our place in the tribe. So because being kind of blame-free was essential for surviving, for being part of the pack and being safe, our self-preservation still kicks in today when the same situation occurs. So when you blame someone else for a mistake that you made, what you're doing is you're protecting yourself and the group. By pointing the finger at someone else, you're shifting the focus away from you It's like creating a diversion so that no one pays too much attention to your own role in the mistake. This way, you're safeguarding your status in the group and keeping that all-important unity intact. Fast forward today, and this instinct still lingers on inside us. Even though we're not fighting off saber-toothed tigers, our brains are still wired to prioritise keeping a good reputation. And so, when we feel our reputation is at risk, blaming someone else can be an automatic response to safeguard our place in the group, in the relationship, or even in our own minds. So once again, this blame mechanism is something that makes sense and actually exists to keep us safe. But again, what would have kept us safe in the past can actually these days put us in more danger. Towards the end of this podcast, we're going to look at ways in which we can override these ancient processes. But for now, we'll look at why we blame ourselves and what we can do to stop doing it. Blaming oneself can also be understood through various neurological and psychological processes. So think again of your brain as a control center, but this time with a detective's office inside. So in this office, there's a particular part called the prefrontal cortex. You might have heard of it before, but in this case, it's a bit like a detective, your personal detective. Now imagine you're sitting in that office with your detective hat on trying to solve a mystery. When something goes wrong or a challenge pops up, your detective gets to work. This detective is located in the prefrontal cortex and likes to dive into all of the details. It wants to understand every nook and cranny of what happened, like a puzzle solver putting pieces together. This is self-reflection. It's like you're looking at a movie of what happened, pausing to examine each frame. You're trying to figure out why things turned out the way they did, what you did right, and what you could have done differently, but just like a detective can sometimes get stuck on a case and think about it day and night your brain can get caught up too this is rumination is when your detective gets a little obsessed with the case and replays it over and over even when it's time to move on now in this self-reflection and this rumination process sometimes your detective points fingers It might find something that you did that wasn't perfect or an action that might have contributed to the situation. And this is where self-blame comes in. Your detective tries to figure out what you could have possibly controlled, almost like it's asking, could you have done something differently to change the outcome? And what's that question? It's a what-if thought And what if thoughts never, ever lead to self-empowerment and an inner sense of calm and acceptance? In fact, they actually inspire the exact opposite, self-critique, self-hatred, and straight up anxiety. So, if you find this to be a problematic occurrence in your own life, asking the question, so what, instead, can be a quick and effective way to break the cycle of rumination and put your mind and body in a completely different state. Now the second reason we can be so quick to blame ourselves is due to something called cognitive biases. Again, the name doesn't matter, but understanding it will help. So your brain is essentially a filter for all the information around you. A bit like how if you were to look into the sun, it would be really hard to see anything, like just to see the actual sun. And then when you look around, it's difficult to make sense of things because you're so blinded by the light until you put on sunglasses, which would tint your view and help you to understand what you're seeing a bit better. Now the filter in our mind isn't always as natural, sorry, always as neutral or as straightforward as a pair of sunnies. Instead, it has a tendency to color things in a certain way. And one of its quirks is the self-serving bias. Imagine on good days, your brain is your biggest fan. When you succeed, it is the first one to cheer and say, you did amazing because you're awesome, which is a consequence of the self-serving bias in relation to positive outcomes. But when things don't go your way, the same self-serving bias leads your brain to point fingers at everything else, saying it's not your fault, blame the situation. Now, what's fascinating is how your brain can flip the script to also have an internal focus, aka self-blame, where when things go wrong, suddenly it becomes a self-blame investigator, looking for any little thing you might've done wrong, like it's determined to find your mistake. So in a nutshell, your brain's filter isn't always fair. It can be your cheerleader, your detective, or your bully, depending on the situation. But the good thing about being human is that we actually have the ability to be self-aware. So we can make decisions for ourselves as to how we want to see things. We can change our minds about anything if only we can become conscious enough to recognise that it needs changing in the first place. Self-blame is honestly pointless, but self-reflection is essential. And in fact, if we can learn how to reflect neutrally or with compassion, then we'll never need to blame. And finally, why do we dislike being blamed if you're in an environment where it happens all the time maybe your parents always point out what you've done wrong or your boss is the first to jump to the conclusion that you're the one at fault or maybe your siblings love to tell tales on you how can you retain a sense of peace and inner and outer love regardless of what's being said is it possible well i wouldn't be here if it wasn't So let's start by understanding why we have such a strong negative reaction to accusations. Hopefully you're starting to get a good image of how and why the brain handles things in a certain way. So you might start to notice some similarities as we run through this. So first and foremost is our threat response. When someone blames us, it can trigger a threat response in the brain, which in turn activates the fight or flight response and therefore leads to the release of chemicals, such as cortisol, which causes us to feel stressed. So if you start to feel tension in your chest, anger boiling up or an intense desire to stick up for yourself, then you know that it makes complete sense. Going back to our hunter-gatherer days, if we don't, didn't, sorry, stick up for ourselves, then we might be left to fend for ourselves, which is basically a death sentence. However, just because that threat response is so deeply ingrained within us, it doesn't mean that we have to act in a defensive, triggered way. We can instead run the piece of blame through a neutral figure in our own mind, picking out any bits of truth and deleting anything that isn't relevant. For instance, your boss might come to you in a state of internal attribution, labelling you as being careless because you made multiple spelling errors in your report. But by running it through your your neutral filter, you can recognise other factors that might have been at play. For instance, it was actually checked over by the editor whose job it is to check for errors and therefore it's not really your fault. But... There is truth in the fact that you can be a bit careless and maybe you could have actually got the report done quicker so that the editor would have had more time to check it. Note that this is not you blaming yourself. It's simply you deciding that rather than taking an approach of anger or seeing this as a loss in some way, you're choosing to focus on being grateful for the tip and seeing it as something you've gained, something that will make you better. As a result, you are less likely to trigger your fight-or-flight response, which would usually have caused you to defend, which is not a, look, not a good look, or cower away in retreat, which also isn't hugely respectable. So instead, you display total control and appreciation. Once again, social status and identity are two other factors that make receiving blame feel highly uncomfortable. But this concept does go a bit deeper than what we've looked at so far imagine you are part of a club or a group and this honestly is super interesting maybe you're a football player you're a book lover or you're a musician being in these groups isn't actually just about the activity that you're doing this might be a revelation to some of you but it also has a lot to do with how you see yourself in that group and how other people see you there it's like different pieces that make up your puzzle of who you are Now imagine you're hanging out with your football mates and someone points out that your last kick missed the goal. Or for you, just think about a group that you're in and something that maybe you'd done in the past that made you feel a bit embarrassed. Um, Suddenly, for instance, if we use this example of the football, being told that your last kick missed the goal, suddenly you're not just thinking about the kick, you're wondering, do they still think I'm a good player? Will they see me differently now? That's the social identity and status at play. We're not no longer questioning, like just focusing on the skill itself. We're thinking about how people are seeing us within that group. When we're blamed, it's like a spotlight on our puzzle pieces. It challenges our sense of self, in fact how we see ourselves and how others see us. It's not just like some throwaway comment can have like a real big identity, lead you to almost have an identity crisis. This can, so, because it can make us feel uncomfortable and a bit defensive, it's a bit like someone poking at our puzzle pieces and us trying to protect them. In your brain, there's a special area called the medial prefrontal cortex. It's a bit like the manager of those pieces of your identity, that puzzle. When your social identity is threatened, this manager, this medial prefrontal cortex actually gets activated. It's like it's saying, hey, something's not right here. Let's figure this out and make sure all the pieces are safe. So when you're blamed and your social, social identity is on the line, it's not just about the action itself. It's about how that action fits into the puzzle of who you are and how you fit into your groups. This is why it's so important to have a sense of yourself that's larger than little situations like this. Something that you forgot to do for your partner shouldn't lead you to question how good you are as a girlfriend or a boyfriend. It's simply something that you forgot. Getting the wrong milk from the shop shouldn't mean that you're careless, even if other people's projections imply that you are. You can still identify as someone who deeply cares for others, even if you got the wrong milk. You literally just made a mistake. And this has everything to do with self-esteem, which is actually a huge part of what we're gonna be working through at the upcoming self-empowerment retreat. So do check out the link for that in the show notes if you feel like you could really do with a week-long holiday in Greece where you actually leave feeling much better about yourself and your life, which in all honesty, pretty much all of us could do with. And finally, empathy and reciprocity. I can never say this word, recipro, reciproc recipro- recipro- I can't say it, you know what I mean. Yeah, I can't say it. Humans have a natural tendency to seek fairness and maintain social harmony for the reasons that we've mentioned previously. So when we're blamed, it can really trigger feelings of injustice. The brain's mirror neuron system, which is involved in empathy and in understanding other people's perspectives, may come into play and cause us to feel defensive when we believe that we're being treated unfairly. So what else can we do about all of this? if these reactions are so deep-rooted, what hope can we have of changing them? If they go back all these many years, something that we practiced every day for millions of years, then what what hope do we have of changing them? Well, this podcast has already been significantly long and probably quite intense if all of this has been new to you. Um, I'm reading off some of my notes because I really wanted to get sort of the science-y bit right. But I'm going to do a quick fire of six really effective strategies that you can implement today that are going to help you eliminate your need to blame other people, including yourself, and also to really help you cope when other people blame, either fairly or unfairly, blame you. Okay, so six quick fire strategies. Let's go. Number one, practice self-awareness recognize that your default tendencies are to blame yourself or others quickly. That's the truth, that's the science, that's what we've read through. You will naturally feel to blame yourself or to blame other people very, very quickly. So to remain mindful both in the moment and on reflection, because it's gonna be difficult to remain mindful in the moment. So you're gonna need to start by reflecting. Be mindful of how this tendency affects your behaviors and whether or not your behaviors are resourceful helpful reactions become aware of how you react and whether or not you like those reactions number two keep a journal linking on from self-awareness it as i said it can be quite tricky to get a bird's eye view of a situation from within your own mind especially when you're in the moment it's actually like i like to describe it like a washing machine of thoughts that can make it challenging to work through whilst they're all rushing about so instead having a notebook literally by your side at all times. Mine, if I ever leave the house, unless I'm going shopping because it's to the shops, like it comes with me. Um, it's always there. Um, but otherwise, also having your phone's note pages, obviously your phone's always with you. So if you don't have your journal, you can use your phone's notes. You can pull that thought or that feeling out of your mind, out of that washing machine of thoughts and unpick it on paper. So, and really noticeable time when I did this like literally in a really inconvenient 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 situation was about a year ago probably maybe even more maybe two years ago I was at the gym and my mum had actually come with me because I was living at home at the time and I had borrowed her headphones to go on a run a few days ago and we were in the gym and she was using them now i knew that she wanted to use my um had these like bands that you use to help you have resistance um within your exercises so i'd finished with them personally and i'd bought them, i was bringing them over to my mum to use and i can't remember exactly what she said but in short the headphones weren't working and she kind of gave me that look you'll know the look and this you know i'm not blaming her for this I'm just recanting the situation she gave me a look of like great the headphones are broken and kind of implied that it was my fault you and headphones a I think she said that because I hadn't had a good history of headphones and if you have had kind of three headphones break in the last year then somebody who's let you use their headphones that they've had for five years the fact that they've broken after you've used them it's a fair comment for my mum to have said you and headphones eh but for me it completely took out all of the motivation for my workout and it made me feel really um really uh like flat and, and so what I did is I took myself off into a corner of the gym I didn't like retaliate or defend I just took myself off into a corner of the gym and got my notes page out because obviously I didn't have my journal at the gym and I've got it literally it was 20th of October 2021 at 732 p.m I this is I've got it in my hands the notes um so I've recounted the situation I've written down exactly what happened in a neutral way as I saw it. I've kind of said, I don't know why I've reacted so badly to it. The headphones were from 2016 and they've lasted five years. So, like, they've done well. So, I rested, I allowed my brain to recognize that, no, do you know what? This isn't, it's not like brand new headphones that have just broken. They're very old and it makes sense. So, to some extent, you're not to blame. And kind of nobody is. We're looking at the situation there. Um, but I also said, because she's almost attributing them breaking to me, I feel like it's my fault. Even though I literally didn't do anything, they were working when I last used them, I haven't done anything, it's not my fault. But why is that affecting me? What is the root cause? Am I tired? And I started to address and unpick, not what my mum had said, but the reasons why what she had said had made me feel such a strong negative emotion. So, i was sort of starting to get that when you can do that you again don't get defensive as much but you just are self-responsible so number three i said these were quick fire and now i'm going deep in consider multiple perspectives before blaming someone else again this kind of relates to what i've just said um before blaming someone try to consider the situation from different angles so like oh the headphones are really old anyway Um, in fact literally go all out and think of as many as you can like the potential options for why something could happen are really are, are unlimited so what somebody's blaming you for or saying you've done there are unlimited other perspectives. So cast your mind over all the ways in which they, the reasons why they could have done something or how it could have happened. Ask yourself what external factors might have contributed to the outcome. What were the underlying motivations or intentions of the person involved? Super important, that one. What, Why did they do that? Also practice empathy by putting yourself in the person's shoes or imagining yourself doing the same thing in literally in two days' time. So... Um, again my mum didn't blame me but I took it as blame so I want to make that clear but let's change the situation imagine that she had said every headphone you touch you break I can't believe it you're so careless she wouldn't say this but imagine she did if you were that person blaming someone for breaking your headphones imagine that in two days time you were blamed for breaking someone's headphones or you literally picked them up wore them, didn't do anything particularly wrong with them, but they then broke. How would you want them to react if it was you who'd done it, right? How would you want them to react to you? Number four, focus on solutions. When we're in a headspace of blame, we're really putting all of our eggs in the basket of what's gone wrong. And there is little space to consider what we could do to put it right. So shift your mindset from blaming to problem solving, recognizing that dwelling on who's at fault and repeating those things in your mind is not benefiting you or the situation in any way. And doing this also enables you to create a connection and a team-like approach between you and the other person or people involved. Number five, increase your emotional intelligence by managing emotional responses. Whilst yes, your reaction to blame things going wrong are somewhat universal, but they're also deeply connected to your personality, to your personal experiences, and to deep beliefs. So take some time to understand what your triggers are, what they look like, or how they feel, and when you do notice that you've reacted to something, see it as simply a trigger caused by a thought you have which disagrees with the situation, because that's all it is. So by becoming intelligent of your emotions, you can really work through emotional responses that don't serve you and start to make a habit of the ones that do. So for instance, being really calm and laid back. You know that person who never seems to get bothered by anything. If that's what you want, you can get that. But you've got to start by looking at how you actually react at the minute and what causes you to react that way and finally number six communicate effectively this is honest to god one of the best pieces of advice that i can give you there's been a couple of times where my partner or i have left the gas on the hob now don't fear it wasn't for a long time and we're usually very vigilant with it and literally this happened about three times But we have left it on nonetheless. And this is an example of a time where it is super duper easy to rush at the other person saying, you've left the hob on, do you know how dangerous that is? But instead, we have learned to recognize that despite the pang of frustration by seeing the person that's done that, realize that being blamed for something you obviously hadn't meant to do is a really difficult thing to receive that blame. And we wouldn't wanna be blamed for something that we hadn't meant to do either. So instead, the approach we take is simply to say to the other person, just a heads up, I think you left the hob on this morning. I've turned it off now, but literally just as an FYI, um, because I thought you'd want to know. Why do we do this? Because it's important. It helps us to be more conscious of turning it off in the future. I would want to know if I'd left the hob on, because if I get told that I've left it on, I now have an emotional reaction towards the hobbit itself, and i will always be even more vigilant next time but i also don't feel triggered in any way by the way that my partner said this because he shared it shared that information as literal information not as blame and he shared it in a kind and compassionate way similarly if you need to express feelings to someone without assigning blame try as much as you can to take ownership for how you feel i.e i feel hurt when or i feel triggered every triggered when you rather than you made me feel hurt when or you trigger me every time you do you see the difference no one can make you feel anything without your consent so take ownership of your feelings and if the person respects you they'll understand and if they don't they won't in which cases there's really little you can do anyway so i hope that this has shed some light on why it's so easy to blame and maybe taken away some of the guilt that you feel for doing things wrong um maybe you feel more compassion towards people who blame you or for people who you are currently blaming and that's going to be super powerful really really powerful going forwards So try and implement this stuff. So let me just recap on those six things. Practice self-awareness, which you can do by keeping a journal and in that journal, considering multiple perspectives for why something's happened. Number four was to focus on solutions. Like when we're stressed, we focus on more reasons to be stressed. When something goes wrong, we we focus on the problems rather than the solutions. So try and get obsessed with focusing on solutions. Increase your emotional intelligence by managing your emotional responses. Bit of a mouthful, that one. But essentially become aware of what your triggers are and by doing that you become you can become really emotionally intelligent because you can change you can recognize when your trigger is happening like I used to be really defensive I can recognize in the moment when I'm being defensive and the more I recognize it the more I'm conscious the more I can change it and lastly communicate effectively So based on communicating effectively, please do send this to a family member or a friend or someone who you think really needs to hear this and take literal two seconds to give this podcast a rating out of five stars, which you can do at the top of the Spotify page that you're probably on or on apple Podcasts, you can scroll down on the home feed i think of my podcast and rate it out five stars and even leave a little anonymous review which would absolutely make my day thank you for listening go and take a breather this has been a lot but yeah a little different a different kind of podcast this week um really looking at that science but i think sometimes We need to do that and I really hope that this has been helpful because it has been for me. So have a wonderful weekend um, and I will see you next week.